let's close in prayer. <laughs> God is good, amen. Praise the Lord, I'm back. <laughs> thank you for your prayers. Uh, I would like to thank Pastor Simon from, from senior to youngest, Pastor Carling and Pastor Jeff, then Pastor Norbert, and also for our, our weekly Bible studies, I would like to thank, uh, again, from senior, uh, Brother Joe, uh, Brother Noel, and Sister Lynette. Thank you so much for filling up the, the pulpit. And I know the Lord will continue the ministry even the leader is out. Amen. Because this is his work. This is not pastor's work. This is the Lord's work. He will provide a worker for his church to continue to grow, to continue to move on for his glory and for his kingdom's sake. I invite you to please rise as we give respect to the reading of the word of God. Our, our, our reading is found in John chapter 12. Uh, we all know that today is Palm Sunday, and we'll be looking at these passages uh, found in the four gospel. but we will take a look at John chapter 12 today. The next day, a great multitude that had came to the feast, or come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus went, he found a young donkey, sat on it as it was written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Therefore, the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of his tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. For this reason, the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. May the good Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for gathering us this beautiful and wonderful morning that you have created. Lord, indeed, you are so good to each and every one of us. Thank you for what you are doing, for what you have done, and for what you will do to each and every one of us. We seek to glorify your name and exalt you today for who you are. And Lord, we thank you for your works, for your ministry done by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, we know that this Sunday is a Sunday in which, a day in which he entered Jerusalem to sacrifice himself so that we will be saved from the penalty of our sins. And so, Father, for that, we will be forever grateful. Thank you for the salvation that we have. Through your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, this morning, if there is an individual here who don't know you as their Lord and Savior, Lord, use your word today. Speak to them, O Lord, in a very, very personal way. O Lord, I know most of us here are already uh, in your fold. I pray, Father, that you will use your word today so that each and every one of us, O Lord, will come to know you and grow more 
in your grace. Father, thank you so much that we can also live up to you, our birthday celebrant this past week and this coming week, and also those who are celebrating their anniversaries. Father, I pray that you pour out more blessings upon uh, their lives so that, oh Lord, they will be a good witness to you and so that other people will come uh, to know you through their uh, lives, oh Father. And so, bless your words today. If there are any uh, people here who are not feeling well, Lord, I pray that you will stretch forth your hand. Lord, I pray specifically for Jared right now. Heal him, Lord. And for those who are having financial difficulties, prove to them, O oh Father, that you are a God that provides. Help them to continue to trust in you. Lord, all glory belongs to you, and we thank you for blessing us through your words today. For this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Please have a seat. What is the triumphal entry? Or we call this Palm Sunday. This triumphal entry is so significant in the history of Christianity. We all know that in our reading, the triumphal entry is that Jesus coming into Jerusalem on what we know again, Palm Sunday. This is the Sunday before the crucifixion. Of course, that's found in the verses that we read, chapter uh, chapter 12, verse 1 and verse 12. And so the, the story of the triumphal entry is one of the few incidents in the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, which appears in all four Gospels. I want to share them with you. Of course, they're found in Matthew chapter 12, Mark 11, Luke chapter 19, and the passage that we just read tonight, uh, this morning, John chapter 12. Now, I read all these things and compared them. Matthew, Mark, Luke, they, uh, they were the ones who, who recorded how the disciple will take the donkey and bring it to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But if you will notice this morning in John chapter 12, uh, there's no record about that. Because, again, uh, these Gospel writers, they are presenting our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in a, in a different angle. Now, if this event was recorded by the four Gospel writers, it becomes clear that the triumphal entry was a significant event. Not only to the people in Jesus' day, but also to us as a modern Christians. We celebrate Palm Sunday to remember the momentous occasion. And this is very important and significant. Why? Because on that day, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the back of a barrel donkey's skull, one that had never been ridden before. And so the disciples spread their clothes on the donkey for Jesus to sit on. And the multitude came out to welcome him. Of course, we all know uh, from the reading of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and even John, that laying before him their clothes and also branches of palm trees. And the people shouted and hailed him as king who comes.
comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, this is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, as he rode to the temple. So where he taught the people, healed them, not only healed them, but also you will probably be amazed because the Lord drove out the money changers and also merchants who had made his father's house a den of thieves. This is what we call righteous indignation on the part of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He was so upset because the temple became a, a, a den of robbers and thieves. Now, what was the purpose of riding into Jerusalem when it comes to this event? Is there any purpose? Yes, indeed, there is a purpose. Because here, if you will notice, he wants to make public his claim to be their Messiah, not only Messiah, but also a king of Israel in fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. It was prophesied that he will ride in a donkey. And so Matthew says that the king coming on the fall of a donkey was an exact fulfillment recorded by prophet Zechariah in chapter 9, verse 9. And this is what Prophet Zechariah said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous, and having salvation, gentle, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fall of a donkey. Of course, this, this prophecy was written before Christ was born. And so during this day, it's being fulfilled and they can see it through their naked eyes. Riding on a donkey. And, and this is the king. And this will be the Messiah. And so Jesus rides into his capital city as a conquering king. And is hailed by the people as such in the manner of the day. And so the streets, imagine the streets of Jerusalem, the royal city, are open to him. And like a king, he ascends to his palace, not a temporal palace, but a spiritual palace that is the temple. In our reading today, even the disciples said, we don't understand. We don't get it. If you will notice our reading today, only after Jesus Christ was crucified, these disciples, they understood what Jesus is doing. He receives the worship and the praise of the people because only he deserves it. No longer does he tell the disciples to be quiet about him. This is very important because during the first day of the ministry of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, doing miracles, doing healing, doing everything for the people, what did the Lord say to a person who get healed or received the ministry of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Go, leave, go on your way. Do not tell anyone. Be quiet. But at this particular point, Christ is making sure that he will now reveal himself as the Messiah, as the coming king for the nation of Israel, not only for the nation of Israel, but also for the Gentiles who will believe in him. Now, they welcome him out of their desire for a messianic deliverer. Someone 
who would lead them in a revolt against Rome. And that's why they were confused. How come our king who is coming is riding on a donkey? You see, people believe that you are a warrior in those days. If you are really a king, you are riding in a horse. But not donkey. There were many, though they did not believe in Christ our Savior, nevertheless, they hoped that perhaps he would be to them a great temporal deliverer. Uh, there are ones who held him as king with their many hosannas, and also recognizing him as son of David, who came in the name of the Lord. But what is sad is this. When he failed in their expectations, when he refused to leave them in a massive revolt against the nation of Rome, of course, Rome was their occupiers in those days. The crowd quickly turned on him. Now, within just a few days, we all know, if you continue reading this story, within just a few days, their hosannas would change to what cry? Crucify him! Crucify him! Just imagine from Hosanna. Hey, this is our king. Hosanna, save, 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 Hosanna. And then after a few days, crucify him. Why the chains? Those who held him as a hero would soon reject and also abandon him. You get the two words? Reject and abandon him. This day is a bittersweet for us because even as we read of this celebration, we know that Friday is coming. The cross is coming. We know that many in this crowd will, within a few short days, exchange words of praise to the words of death, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, and then later shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Why the chains? The great evangelist Billy Graham uh, has been quoted many times as saying, and this is what he said, and I quote, that the greatest mission field in our country today is our local church. The people sitting already in our churches. Now, many people know what to say, how to say it, even how to act in it. But when the rubber truly meets the road, there is no personal relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. No salvation, just empty words. We see in our scripture reading today a perfect example of this in our text. On Sunday, Jesus rode into the city with the people shouting praises, praising him, praising God for all the wonderful miracles he has done. And on Friday, they are shouting, Give us Barabbas! Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Give us Barabbas! <laughs> we want him! 
We want Barabbas. We want you to crucify Jesus. Crucify him. Again, why the church? We call them fickle-minded. Well, there are many possible reasons, but one simple reason is that their words did not match their heart. They possess a casual and not committed faith. Their religion, of course, miss the person. And so how can we have a committed faith and how can be real and sincere? How can we have a consistent faith in all that we do? And this morning, we'll take a look at the faith of this crowd exhibited. And of course, my goal is to how can we avoid their faith? and have a committed faith. Faith number one, the first faith they have exhibited is I called it me faith. Me faith. It is centered on themselves. How's your faith today? How's your relationship with the Lord? You see, this crowd, they have a me faith. This sounds obvious. But we often, of course, miss it. Here in America, we tend to say to God, Hey God, here is my calendar. Here is my agenda. Now, I can squeeze you in here. I can squeeze you in there. Pulling God out or turning to God only when it is convenient or useful. In our passage, the people praised Jesus as he passed by. But many of them praised him for two reasons. Number one reason, why do they praise him? Because of his miracles. Because of his miracles. He had healed the sick. He raised the dead. Particularly, of course, if you go back to chapter 11, he raised who? Lazarus. Of course, this is the famous saying, I am the resurrection and the life in which Christ, he called Lazarus from the grave. Lazarus, you come out. And many people saw what had happened. Go back to the previous chapter, especially chapter 6, the feeding of the 5,000. You see, they were looking for miracles, and after doing that miracles, feeding of the 5,000, you see, they want him to be their indeed leader. Why? It's because Christ can feed them. He can do miracles. Oh, this is it. They've experienced miracles. They saw through their naked eyes the impossible things Christ has done. They saw the difference, the, 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 the Pharisees and Jesus Christ. They, they saw the difference of their teaching. Christ, of course, teaching is with authority. But these Pharisees, they teach, of course, according to their own ability and no power at all. They praise him because he has done marvelous things in their life. 
Second reason why they praised him is because they saw in Jesus a way to be politically delivered from the Romans. So the history, when Christ was born, they were under the Roman rule. And, and think about this. This nation, they came through a lot. We, are, we all know that they, of course, uh, became slaves. Uh, they came out from Egypt. And as if there's no end in as a nation that other nations will occupy them. And so who will not be excited when you know that Zechariah said there will be king, there will be Messiah. They knew exactly that there will be a coming king. And yet here it is unfolding in front of them. That's why they praise him. Oh, this is it. We will be delivered from the Roman Empire. We will have our own identity as a nation of Israel. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna. To be set free from Rome as Israel was set free from Egypt. Now, but their praise was tempered with the attitude of this. Jesus what can you do for me? Is it sound familiar today among us as Christians? You know a believer in the Lord if they have a me faith. A me faith said, I'll go to Philham International Baptist Church. What's in it for me? Lord, I will serve you. What's in it for me? Me faith. A few days later at the trial, they saw a beaten and disfigured Jesus, a man who no longer looked like a deliverer or a conqueror. And as the words were said about him, they bought into all the lies and quickly changed their position. For them, it was all about me, me, me. What is your expectation? about your relationship with the Lord. <laughs> Again, these people, oh, this is our Messiah. But it seems, as they see Jesus riding in a donkey, was beaten and his face was disfigured, oh, they say, uh-oh. I think he's not the one. For them, it was all about me, me, me. Sorry about two traveling angels. And these two traveling angels stopped to spend the night in the home of a wealthy family. The family was rude and refused to let the angels stay in a mansion's guest room. Instead, the angels were given a small space in the cold basement. And as they made their bed on that, on that hard floor, the old angel saw a hole. He saw a hole in the wall and he repaired it. When the younger angel asked, why did the older angel uh, repair it? And, and, and the older angel said, things aren't always what they seem. Now the next day, the two came to rest at the house of a very, very poor family, but very hospitable farmer and his wife. After sharing what little food they had, the couple 
let the angels sleep in their bed when they could have a good night's rest. So when the sun came up the next morning, the angel found the farmer and his wife crying. They were in tears. And, 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 and the angel said, the younger angel said, what happened? The reason why they are crying, it's because their only cow, whose milk had been their sole income, lay dead in the field. And the younger angel was infuriated and asked the older angel, how could you let this happen? The first man had everything, you helped him. The second family had little but willing to share everything and you let the cow die. The angel said, the older angel said, things aren't always what they seem. When we stayed in the basement of the mansion, I noticed there was gold in stored in that hole in the wall. Since the owner was obsessed with greed and unwilling to share his good fortune, I sealed the wall so he would not find it. The last night, as we slept in the farmer's bed, the angel of death came for his wife. Instead of me giving the wife, I gave him the cow instead. Things aren't always what they seem. In your life and in my life as a believers in the Lord, you see, things aren't always what they seem. If our faith is me faith, we will always be frustrated, just like this crowd. Oh, he's the Messiah, he's the king. And then they saw him bruised, disfigured. They change their position. We believers in the Lord, sometimes we get upset when things don't get the way we expect them to go. Have you experienced that? When you kept on praying, Lord, Lord, I'm praying for this. In my, you know, with the sincerity of my heart, please, please. And the Lord, until now, is not answering your prayer. You are getting disappointed. Will you change your position? Or you will stay committed, devoted? Because you have Christ in your heart. Always continue to have faith and trust that every outcome is always to your advantage in the long run. So you might know, you might not know until, of course, sometime later. So when things go bad, just always remember, things aren't always what they seem. Our faith should be centered on Christ. Amen. Should not be centered on you. If our faith is centered on the Lord, even though you are disappointed, because of your expectation when it comes to Christianity, you will not walk away 
you will stay strong and keep on trusting the Lord. Why? Because your faith is not me faith. It is centered on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Secondly, the second faith they exhibited is not only called, I call it me faith, but secondly, I call it emotional faith. They were very emotional. When we talk about emotional, we, we talk about feelings. Did you know that feeling fluctuates? Probably right now you're high. When you get home, you are disappointed and your feeling is you don't even want to talk to someone. So that's feeling. Here, many of those who gathered to throw the clothes and palm branches onto the street and who shouted praise did so because it was a popular thing to do that time. You <laughs> know what? I, I like Phoenix Suns. How many of you like Phoenix Suns? But now I don't like them. Because they keep on losing. <laughs> I, 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 I want to admit, I am a bandwagon fan. If they are winning, <laughs> you, you know the reason why? Because the reason why I watch them is because I want to be excited. I want to be happy. When they lose, it added to my stress. And that's why I admit I am a bandwagon fan. And you know what? These people in those days, they are just like that. Hey, it's a popular thing to do. Hey, they're shouting Hosanna, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Let's do it also. Feelings, they get emotional. They use palm, palm branches. Not this, not this palm, but palm branches. What are what what is the significance of this palm? Did you know that palm branches are a token of rest and peace after sorrow? Probably you are asking, hey, 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 we have palm over here. Who brought this? Thank you. <laughs> palm. Just like a wedding ring, a wedding ring is a token of your sincerity to the vow that you have made. But palm leaves in those days are a token of rest and peace after sorrow. It makes sense. Why? It's because this nation of Israel were always under the tyranny of every other nation and they want to experience peace and rest. Well, of course, they miss it. Christ is giving them the spiritual rest and peace. In the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verse 9, after these things, I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. Now, I want you to take a look at this context. The context of this is the vision that John saw after the seven years' great tribulation. And so these people, who are, of course, with with white clothes, having palm branches, they've just experienced the severe trials 
within this seven years great tribulation. They've experienced sorrow. And so this passage is talking about now they have peace and rest after they've experienced sorrows do, during the great seven years great tribulation. And so these palm branches are a token of rest and peace after sorrows. I mean, back, back in the Philippines, we all know that they will go to the priest and the priest will, and then they, I think they will nail, nail it on their doorpost so that they said the demon will not come inside their house. Okay, that's not it, okay. Uh, what, what we know is it is a symbol of, of course, a token of rest and peace after sorrow. That's what they anticipate. Now, Hosanna means save now, we pray you. See, putting this thought together, Palm and Hosanna, it would seem as if people were acknowledging Jesus to be one sent from God to save them from Roman cruelty and to give them rest and peace after sorrow of their long years of Gentile oppression. At that one brief moment, it became trendy. It became a trend. Perhaps some began doing it with a sincere motive, but others soon did it because others were doing it. And later, at the trial, shouting, crucify him, uh, was the thing to do also. In fact, for a brief moment, it was the trendy thing to make a mass murderer and criminal their hero. And what was his name? Barabbas. We want Barabbas. In our lives, a devoted faith comes only through a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. One where one day is pressed and anew as he personally directs our steps. So in order to have a devoted faith, we must develop, I want you to take note and underline these two words, must develop and maintain a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, yes. Being a Christian is not just, ah, I receive Christ and then you just go on your way. No, you have to develop and maintain your relationship. I was talking to someone this week, and uh, I, this, this word maintain just caught my attention. It's because we are of the same age. I, I'm 50, so I'm exactly 54. If you are in your 50s, you're not talking about Ah, you're not talking about your dreams. You're not talking about uh, your college degree or your plan to get married. If you are in the 50s, you're talking about your maintenance. <laughs> you young people remember this. With you turn 50, you will talk about your cholesterol. <laughs> you will talk about your... What else? <laughs> we'll talk about your blood sugar. <laughs> we'll talk about your uh, blood pressure. You have to maintain so that you will live long. At least 70, 70 according to Psalms 90 verse 10, you are already blessed. Amen. I praise the Lord, Pastor Choi and Mrs. Choi. Did you know that they were already past 80? That means they are overblessed. Amen. Why? It's because they maintain their health. They go to LA Fitness. <laughs> That's part of maintenance. Now, 
if your relationship with the Lord is genuine and your faith is not just emotion, oh, the Lord bless you, hallelujah, oh, I got this job, hallelujah, and then the next day they kick you out, oh, Lord. You know what? Whatever our experience will be, if our faith is not based on our emotion, we will continue to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna. Amen. Oh. In order to have a committed faith, we must develop and maintain personal relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I will walk you through, uh, uh, through the outline of the book of John. Why this is important, maintaining our relationship. John chapter 12, in the passage that we read, John chapter 12, it talks about the triumphal entry. If you will jump chapter 13, he, he, John recorded the washing of the disciples' feet of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. John chapter 14, Christ said, let not your heart be troubled. Thomas said, where are you going? Ah, I, will, I will prepare a mansion for you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You are familiar with that? John chapter 15, this is what we're looking. Because in John chapter 15, John recorded the most important discipline in our Christian walk with the Lord. In, 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 in saying, I am divine, you are the branches. Jump verse 5. Without me, you can do nothing. Maintenance. Always connected. Always on the line. Chapter 16. He continues his paraclete saying about the comforter, about the Holy Spirit. John chapter 17. This is the Lord's Prayer. The, the Lord's Prayer is not the uh, the prayer, our Father who art in heaven. That's not the Lord's Prayer. That's a pattern on how to pray. The Lord's Prayer is John chapter 17, where he prayed to his disciples right there and then, and also the future disciples. And that's who we are right now. John chapter 18, of course, we all know that this is the record about Judas betraying him, and Christ was arrested. And the rest, of course, we know that it is about the suffering. And chapter 20 talks about his resurrection. But I am amazed it's because John included the most important thing in John chapter 15, maintaining our relationship to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How's your relationship with the Lord today? Is it on and off? Is it just like some of your friends? Talk to them today and tomorrow now? See, our relationship to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, should be always continuous. And that's why I remember Pastor Jeff's message. We need to always read the Bible and also pray. Prayer and reading, that's what we maintain our relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I, I don't know if you saw this one. My wife posted this picture about two donkeys. These two donkeys were walking in Jerusalem when one day said to the other, just yesterday, I was here carrying Jesus. And the people were singing, shouting, and throwing down their clothes for me to walk on. And today, they don't even recognize me. 
The other donkey replied, that's how it is, my friend. Now, Jesus, you are nothing. True. Amen. The reason why we exist, the reason why we are still breathing today, the reason why still we have the strength is because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My dear friend, I don't know what is your struggle, but you need to continue your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Our faith is not emotional. It should be based on the relationship of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It must be driven by that relationship. Number three and last, the third faith they exhibited, I call it circumstantial faith. Based from the circumstances. See, at the parade, it was trendy to offer praise, I mentioned before. And everything, of course, was doing it. But at the trial, listen, at the trial, to speak out for Jesus was very risky. Possibly even, of course, life-threatening. That's why most of his disciples, they just looked afar off. They did not really follow the Lord closer. It's because they know it's risky. Many of us uh, come to Jesus expecting everything to go good. How many of you have that kind of mentality? That when you accept Christ, if you know you are a Christian, everything uh, will go good. Or maybe some slight, some slight bad, but, but not much of it. And so when the bottom dro drops out of us, we, we often ask the most, of course, famous question. What is that most famous question? Why? Lord, why? In Tagalog, Lord, bakit? When we don't understand things and we try to figure it out, why are these things happening to me? So we ask the Lord, why? Thinking it is not supposed to happen this way. Lord, every Sunday I'm at Philam International Baptist Church. Why, why this thing is happening to me? If our faith is based on our situations or circumstances, it will never be a devoted faith. It will always be a casual faith. Today is Sunday. We have a good fellowship, worship, and after this, of course, we will enjoy our fellowship in the social hall because of the uh, mommy, beep mommy. <laughs> Everyone will be, of course, uh, talking and have a good conversation. Everyone is singing and praising the Lord. But tomorrow, tomorrow you will face the hard task. You will see your boss. <laughs> Can you do that in a world that is not all praising? A, a, a world that is mocking you, a world that is not laughing with you, a world that is so angry because you are a Christian. A committed faith takes the good with the bad. 
Amen. I, I want to repeat that one. A committed faith takes the good with the bad. Knowing that all we are ever promised is that in the midst of both good and bad, Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us. Amen. He will stand with you and me no matter what. That's why our faith should not be based on our circumstances. Uh, a story is told about a little girl, and this little girl, while walking in the garden, she noticed a particularly beautiful flower. She admired its beauty and enjoyed its fragrance. You know, uh, ladies, they really like, like flowers. My wife loved roses, red roses. Every time I buy roses, she was the happiest woman in the world. And so this, this, this lady, uh, she saw one on the garden, and she smelled mm, beautiful. It's pretty. As she gazed on it, her eyes followed the stem to the soil in which it grew. She saw the soil. She saw the story where it's growing. And so she said, this flower is too pretty to be planted in such dirt. You know what she did? She pulled it up by its root and ran to the, to the water faucet and washed away the soil. It wasn't long until the flower wilted. And guess what? Died. When the gardener saw what the little girl had done, he exclaimed, You have destroyed my finest plant. I am sorry, but I didn't like it in that dirt, she said. The gardener replied, I chose that spot and mixed the soil because I knew that only there could it grow to be a beautiful flower. You get what the gardener said? I chose that spot and mixed the soil because I knew that only there could it grow to be a beautiful flower. You know what? Listen very carefully this morning. I don't know what is your situation now. I don't know what is your experience or you are experiencing. Whether it is physical pain that I had experienced two weeks, uh, three weeks ago, whatever your experience, whether it is emotional, spiritual, all things that you can imagine. Listen, God has placed us exactly where we If you are disappointed in life today, that's where God has placed you. If you are discouraged today, it's because that's where God has placed you. Think about your situation right now. Think about your disappointments in life. Choose that spot and mix the soil because I knew that only there could it grow to be a beautiful flower. 
we eventually see that he is using our pressures, using our trials, your trials today, your difficulties. Why? To bring us to a new degree of spiritual beauty. Amen. Oh, I want my daughter to grow so beautiful, so I'll give this trial to her. And God knew exactly that you can do it. Why? Because the strength comes, not from you, it comes from the Lord. You will become beautiful in the sight of God. True contentment comes when we accept what God is doing and thank the Lord. I want you to meditate upon this. True contentment comes when we accept what God is doing. What is the Lord doing in your life right now? Be content. And also say, Lord, like the prayer on the Facebook, Lord, I come today not to ask for things, but Lord, I come to you today just to thank you for my true content. Amen. If we can pray that prayer, our faith is not based from our circumstances. This morning, is your faith casual or committed? As we approach this week, where our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ suffered incredibly for you and me, uh, can we say, Lord, yes, I want my faith, not a casual faith, but a committed faith today. In a week where our sins, past, present, and future, where the nails that hang, hang him on that cross, doesn't Jesus deserve a second look? Doesn't he deserve total control of your life? Doesn't he deserve a personal relationship with you? I want you to consider this week. Choose to give everything at the feet of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Don't be like those crowd in those days. They had the fickle-minded. Uh, they're shouting Hosanna. At the end, they are shouting crucify. We need to be stable in our relationship with the Lord, and our faith should always be a committed faith and a devoted faith with the Lord. How's your faith today? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for allowing us to meditate upon your words today. Father, we admit many times, just like those crowd, our faith is a new faith. Emotional faith, circumstantial faith. Father, forgive us. We know that you are Almighty God, and yet we still continue to, to still cling on our own understanding. We, we try to figure it out instead of, Lord, trusting you, putting everything into your hands. Oh, Lord, we still struggle. It's because we, we, we do it on our own. But this morning, Lord, we thank you for showing us that it's you, Lord, 
And we must have a committed faith to you. Oh Lord, I want you to speak to your children today. We have a different stages of growth here. And, and Lord, our goal is to be more like you. And we will not leave this place, oh Lord, until we commit something to you today. We know, Lord, that you brought this message. You want us to respond. What us grow, Lord. And so, Lord, speak to us. And let your word sink deep down into the heart of your people today. And if there is an individual here who don't have any relationship, Lord, I pray, oh, convict him, Lord, her, her heart also, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Everyone closed, our, our eyes are closed, our head bowed. I want you to raise your hand. Yes, Pastor, I want to have a committed faith. Will you raise your hand? Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Any more? Are there any more? Yes, Pastor? I don't want to be like those proud guys. I want my relationship with you today a relationship in which my faith is really committed to you. Will you raise your hand? Thank you, sister. Thank you. Are there any more? Thank you, brother. Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you, sister. Thank you. Are there any more? For those of you who never not, not, not accepted Christ yet as their Lord and Savior, will you raise your hand and we'll pray together. But if you are a Christian, I am asking you, of course, in the name of the Lord, to commit your faith, a committed faith to the Lord. Will you raise your hand? Thank you, sister. Thank you. Let's all stand up, and, and I invite all those people who raise their hands, please come forward, and I will pray for you. Come forward. Those, if you raise your hands this morning, come, come forward. We will pray together. Even though you did not raise your hand, if you want to come forward, and we'll pray together. If you raise your hand, please come forward. We will pray together. Are there any more who will join this crowd here? anymore. If you came forward here and you want to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you follow this prayer and then after this we will pray together. I will pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for speaking to me in a very personal way today. Lord, I acknowledge that I am a sinner. Please forgive me. And Lord, I committed such terrible thing in your sight. I come to you today, please forgive me. And this morning, Lord, I accept your son, Jesus Christ, as my personal Lord and Savior. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and change me. I love you, Lord, and I thank you for giving me eternal life and giving me this relationship with you. Thank you, in Jesus' name. If you pray that prayer, I welcome you into the family of God. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this wonderful morning.
Thank you for your words today. Oh, Lord, thank you for using me, and I want to give back all the glory and honor to you. Oh, Lord, indeed, your words are so powerful. They bring changes into every heart who listen and give to them. And Lord, here are your children in front. You know their hearts today. They have their own decisions, Lord. I do not know, but you search their hearts. Father, I know that they are sincere in their walk and faith in you. And so, Father, I am praying for a blessing to them. I'm praying, Lord, that you will just strengthen them. I'm praying, Lord, that you will just enable them to be a good witness into this dark world. I am praying, Father, that you will give, provide all the resources that they need, oh Lord, in their lives as they continue to serve you. Use them, Lord, as a channel of your blessings to other people, those people who are in need of your love, grace, and mercy. Thank you, Father. Lord, indeed, I pronounce blessing upon them, a double portion of your blessing. Give it to them, O oh Lord. Most especially, Father, I am praying for the filling of your Holy Spirit unto them. Lord, control their lives. Be with them, O oh Lord. And for those who are still standing at the back of them, Lord, I also pray. I know they have their own decisions. Be with them also. And also bless them. and Let them know, O oh Lord, that you continue to love them and also embrace them with your mercy and grace. Father, we thank you for what you will do. And bless the rest of the day today. For this is our prayer. In the most wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said,